version 2.0 i'm dan this is episode 247 gang's all here say hi guys what's happening what's going on what's up uh not a lot i'm tired started a new job it's tiring oh yeah how's that going dude it's uh night shift (laughs) (laughs) work in the graveyard it's not a big deal in nursing it's actually easier in nursing but it's still night shift so it kind of sucks in that sense but night shift pays more so, you know, what the hell. That's good. Who wants to go first? Anybody do anything fun and get any flying in this weekend? This I want to go first. I did right. not get any flying in. <laughs> 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 yeah, I didn't. Well, okay, hold on. I didn't get any real flying in. I did get some simulating, simulated flying in. Does that count? Mm. Mm. Well... I mean, if it's I a had different to take box a guess to check, with, but. with how the whole week is going to go for everyone, we might actually count it this week. Okay, I, then I'm on board. I'll take a half a no fly. Okay. Or a, I'll, I'll take a not really fly. <laughs> half card. a card. But so here's the deal. Yeah, I, I picked up the sim again. Um, I still hate it. But it occurred to me that maybe the reason I hate it is that I'm looking for a change. Is next good enough? I think the answer is yes. However, all of a sudden, I mean, actually, ever since I got back from Urcha, I've gotten bit by the bug. Sort of the impulse, like irrational, just do something crazy bug. Mm -hmm. We talked about the 700s, Mm -hmm. right? I want to talk a little bit more about that. But on the simulator thing, I feel like I want to try a new sim. And so, you know, I started looking into it and we, you know, Nick, you and I tried that Heli X sim a little while ago. Actually, a little while is probably an understatement. It's more like a year or two ago now. Yeah, Um, I don't even remember it. At the time, I couldn't get it to work. I still cannot get it to work when I load it. So I don't know what the hell is going on with that one. But, you know, I've talked to Mark a little bit and a couple of other listeners about the AccuRC. Mm -hmm. Um, I hear that once you're done dicking around with all of the little tweaks and tunings and shit, it actually flies really well. You're going to hate it. Will I? You want to know why you're going to hate it? Yes, I do. I want to know why. Because you don't have near the computer to run that simulator. Ooh, okay. That's what I was going to say. Is is that the one that I remember seeing the video, like where they're changing servos and like doing all the crazy? Okay. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. And they had like updates for it 
just to address like CPU usage. Yeah, Justin, you're going to need a few more hamsters in that computer. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> it's okay. a resource hog, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, even if like you turn it down a little bit. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't want to... I, I have not flown and or tried the current version, so I shouldn't say, but that has always been its reputation. Now, would I be interested to try it? Yeah, I might. You know, just to prove. I is it Mac compatible? Uh you no, know what? I don't I even it, know. I think it I think it is. From memory, I think it is. Yeah, I'd be interested to try it then. So, you know, it that actually brings up an interesting thought in my mind, Dan, and and that is that next is probably like the fastest simulator ever. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm running it on a five-year-old laptop and a seven-and-a-half-year-old Mac. And you'd think it was like the best computer in the world. So going from that to AccuRC, if it really is that big of a resource hawk, maybe is not a good idea. Anyway, I, I'm going to do a little bit more research. I feel like, and I oh, I hate to say this, I am going to be the guy. This is this is me, the guy that throws the first stone. Here it is. Ready? As we get ready to go into winter, gasp. To, to what? What are? Into, yeah, yeah, I know. I I I'm I'm thinking a little bit ahead, and I and I don't think I'm going to do anything crazy or drastic in the next couple of weeks because as as you know, we've got our fun flight coming up, so that's the focus. But once that that once that is over. I think I'm going to slowly start gearing up or what am I going to do over the down down season, the cold season. And I think I want to mess with simulators a little bit just to see what's out there, just to get a feel for it and maybe hopefully fall into a routine again. I thought that was your time to fly, though, Justin. You're always saying, yeah, you know, it's too it's hot. Too hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're coming right well, into the peak of your season. It's almost yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, you never know. It's possible, dude. <laughs> you might be right there. But I'm just trying to anticipate it, and I want to try some new sims. So if people have suggestions, let me know. I've gotten no shortage of suggestions for AccuRC. Um, you know, people know I already run Next. Real Flight, eh, I have whatever the two versions ago was. Loaded that back up. It is very decidedly less awesome than next. And so, boy, the version 43 and a half that they're on now better be damn good. Uh, Phoenix, mm. I don't even, is that even around anymore? No idea. Yeah, no I'm idea. not sure. I Are still... you guys all still flying next? Is that <laughs> the, the situation? Yes. Yeah, it's funny. When I've, you sim? I found my real flight uh, transmitter. With the remember, remember that's the one where I left the the USB cord hanging out of the door of the car oh. and drove all. <laughs> <laughs> so I still have that sitting here, and I guess it's fairly. I guess I can send it in, and it's like thirty twenty five or thirty five bucks or something, and they'll send me a new one. But I have to send the one that I have in. I just haven't. I mean, I don't know. I just haven't done it. I suppose I should just give it to someone with the discs and everything. Cause I have like the 7.0 disc too. Mm. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. 
I, I think I'll lose interest pretty quickly, but um, it's it's worth a try. It's something to sort of tweak on, right? Mm-hmm. Mess around a little bit. And so that takes me to the bulk of my week, which oddly enough, uh, if if you if you believe me, didn't really have a lot to do with speed. It had a whole hell of a lot more to do with what is my next 700. And I'll tell you what, man, the listeners really like got engaged from last week's episode. I don't know if you guys looked at the the thread for episode 246 all the responses on different helis to try. And I got like over a dozen emails, probably the same amount of private messages on Facebook. Um, Some people adamant about certain brands and then other people that were just softly suggesting. And, you know, we went over the, we talked about the Protos and the Logo 700 and the Logo 690 and the Goblin Black Thunder and the Kronos and you know, so on and so forth. Some a couple of people threw the Diablo 700 into the mix. Um, but what it ended up coming down to was weight. And I haven't made a decision, but that's the arguing point that everyone is on right now in that thread and in the private emails and messages that I've been getting. You know why I think that is? Why? Cuz they're all good. Like we've reached a point mm. where I feel like the models Any of those are, models that's are great. the only thing left to talk about. <laughs> well, they're I mean, they're all they're all good, solid, reliable helicopters. And you know what, dude, that is a killer point because I hadn't thought about that, but just thinking through that list that I verbalized, I couldn't think of a single one of those that I would say, eh, you know what? I, I don't trust that brand. They yeah, really no. are really good models. Yeah. No, the the Kronos, the you know, the like the seven hundred Black Thunder, the the logo. I mean, obviously logo seven hundred's not out, but logo is Close. not yeah. They're not really known for pattern problems. You know what right. I mean? Um uh the the Protos. The, I mean they're all dude, they're they're all good helicopters. Right. And so that's then then people started to go for like the the different features. Okay, well, the logo's a big lump of plastic and the Protos is kind of a big lump of plastic and the Goblin's a goblin. And the Kronos is, you know, not able to get parts. And the Diablo is old hat and so on and so forth. And really the only quantitative measure that people could use to differentiate was the weight and here's what blows my mind and i am really curious and intrigued by this no one no one had any arguments that a light heli feels different than a heavy heli and i think my history has always leaned towards lighter disc loading you know we had the logos initially the goblin 770 um but what I heard repeatedly and independently was, I know you guys, you think that the Protos is heavy, but I don't feel the 12 and a half to 13 pounds at all. And I don't get that. Well, I get it because they're, I mean, everyone is running seven tens on it. Now I'm not uh, everyone. That's a big blanket statement. Mm-hmm. 
but most people quickly gravitate towards seven tens on that model. Yep. So, so Jesse, does. did you run yours on six nineties or seven hundreds yeah. originally? Yeah, originally I flew mine on the rail 696s and then jumped up to the 713 switchblades and I've flown it with the 716 rail blades. Definitely preferable on the 710, let's call it class, uh, blade. So you can tell a big difference between the 690s and the 710s. Yes, you definitely can. And I I would tend to agree with the caveat of you're flying it on those set in, you know, on those 710 size blades it feels more than acceptable to me it doesn't feel like oh i'm flying a you know heavy turd or whatever um the disc loading is more than acceptable yeah i like the way it flew when when i got to fly it on 710 yeah so i i'm kind of bouncing back and forth between that i i mean if that's true if it really is true then it can't be a protos unique thing Justin, how about this? You can fly mine at our fun fly. Okay, that's a deal. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, we'll because because if 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 Protos guys are out there running seven tens and seven fifteens and they think it still feels light and airy and floaty, then yeah. any heli, no, Nick, no. I've never heard that. No, it, it doesn't feel light and airy and floaty on seven sixteens. It just feels okay feels good. I mean, it, it feels, feels good. Yeah, like it should. It's but not it's overly. Definitely, you're not going to make that heli super light and airy and floaty. So don't. Not even going to 750s? Oh, yeah. I'm oh, sure I would, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, in, in that regular 700 Wh- form. Which that is a consideration for that heli just because the conversion kit's so cheap. I mean, even oh, if you yeah. wanted to just try it. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's like 50 bucks, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I, you can, I think you can get a very, here's the difference. You can get a similar feel across different models, right? And that's what I'm kind of learning. It's, you can make one model feel kind of like a different model by adjusting blade length. It's just what components are you going to have to run? You know, the Protos being that weight means you have to go to 710s i would personally only be flying that on like a 160 and probably a 4530 motor you know just because of the weight whereas yeah. you go back to like the you know the the old e700 or the seven let's just use the 700 um the black thunder for example like I wouldn't have a problem running that on a forty-five twenty-five series motor and a one twenty amp ESC. Yeah, so that's no. I guess I would disagree with the with the motor requirement. I don't. Th- I think it's more than adequate. I'm running a forty-five twenty-five on it and have zero complaints on issues. a Protos. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'd run a forty-five twenty-five without even thinking twice. Yeah, and then the only time—why do you think you need a forty-five thirty, Nick? Uh, no, it just—it seems more. It seems more fit, you, more appropriate you can, for the size. For with that blade length, if you wanted to, I mean, I could tap that forty-five twenty-five out on that blade length. I know it because I can do it on my Goblin Seven Hundred. Right. So I'm just remember we've talked about heat 
and you know commutation errors. And, oh no, I and, got it. I got it. And but, but, but you know, I don't fly that hard. So for me, a forty-five twenty-five is a no-brainer. Yeah, and if I like, had I would one, not be tapping out a forty-five thirty. If I had one, I'd put it in there. But if I was buying new, I would err on the forty-five thirty to to put in there just in case, because then you could stretch it you know, and run 750s on it and literally not change a damn thing. If, you, if you're smart when you drop your KV in there in the beginning. Yep. So. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, and that's why I think I got to reconsider the Protos um, alongside the Logo 700. But the other side of it is there's something very intriguing and novel about the Black Thunder. And I know I've already gotten a shitload of hate mail about like, dude, seriously, another goblin. But what I like about the Black Thunder is I could easily put like a Hobbywing 130 HV, mm-hmm. right? And probably, honestly, I think I could get away with like a 4035 motor. I believe you could. Yep. And like what, uh, 12S, 4000s, uh, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. even beefy 37 or 3900, something like that. Anyway. Are you talking about 700 or 650? No, I'm talking about 650. Oh, 650. You could, absolutely. Yeah. I'd slap some 4000s in it and a 4035. It would be crazy light. Um, it, it Ten and be, a half pounds, dude, is what the average seems to be coming out at. Yeah. I, and, and here's the deal. Do the disc loading math. It's lower disc loading than the 700 equivalent, than the Goblin 770, than the Protos. But see, if you were going to do that, I would, uh, and I'm not kidding, I would do the exact same thing. I'd slap 4,000s in it, put 690s on it, and then maybe go with a 4525 motor and fly it like that and turn your head speed down. I think you'd really enjoy it. Why do you think I wouldn't enjoy 650s? Didn't say I didn't think you wouldn't. I said okay. I think you would enjoy this one better. Because the, I know how much you liked the the 770. The big at, model. Yeah, big floating. Yeah, the, the disc loading low. and the size, yeah. And the you know the low the lower head speed, yeah. But yeah, but then I think I could put a three-blade head on it and spin 630s. Mm. I guess and then it all my head starts on... spinning in terms of whether or not it would be useful for speed. Oh, yeah, no. See, no. <laughs> and then there way, goes the 3D heli. Yeah, you're Goodbye. way off track. I get, you have to figure out what you want to do with it. I'm headed in a more practical direction. So because you annihilate 14S packs... I mean, as much as I love all my helis, uh, for you, I would see, and, and you freaking, dude, you just fence post shit when you put it in, too. I mean, let's I, be I honest. I love how I've gotten this, this like, this you reputation. The, you that is it. not true. That is not true. Uh, Seriously. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened on your last R5 crash? That is a different story. No, it does. You flew it. It was a rekit. What happened to you? Yeah. What happened to your rave? Rekit. No, it wasn't a rekit. 
I mean, is your uh, NX7 a small crash? Yes. I no. have all the parts. That doesn't matter if you have all the parts. What My do you point mean? is that you don't crash. Like, I crash like a girl. I am the most... Nu- and Jesse's pretty much a girl crasher, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Proudly. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I go through a lot of links, yep. a lot of servo horns, and not a lot of big wow factor to my crashes. Yeah. I mean, so, I even drove it in on the head and hardly anything broke. It just can't, <laughs> just doesn't work. <laughs> so I think with the extra packs, I, I still lean towards... uh. And knowing that you you would like to tweak and tune with it or tweak with it a little bit, like if you got a wild hair, you had so much fun with the 770 that it would be so easy for you to slap a longer boom on the Protos and, and literally not change a thing. Yeah, just keep Just bolt on a different set of blades. I don't know, man. That, I feel like you're pushing me in the wrong direction. Well, that's the practical direction. You've never been Why all that practical. Why isn't a 650 so. or 700 more practical than a 750? Well, like he said, just reusing the batteries alone, not having to buy model-specific batteries. Yeah. But that's kind of like second-order money. You know, like... Sure. When your airframe yeah, costs as much as it does, who cares? All right. I'm, uh, I'm not looking to save money here. I mean... <laughs> I would have left the hobby a long time ago if we were worried about money. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, then then do whatever you want. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm just, looking well, forward to our fun it, fly, not just because of the fun fly, but because it's another opportunity to get a look at some helis. That's money all. is if money's no issue to just buy them all, man. What? Are, why are we even <laughs> yeah. having this conversation? I love that. Yeah, that's true. Buy a new computer too. Yeah. Yeah, you're good. You well, you need that anyway. Nah, it records fine. Don't use Sometimes. it for anything else. Yes, most of the time. Well, that's all I got. With flying season in full swing, in midsummer, right around the corner, one of the most important things to me is getting parts quickly. There's absolutely nothing worse than being out at the field all weekend banging out the flights only to end the weekend with the crash and to know that you might not be able to get the parts in time to have your heli ready for next weekend. I always look for parts at LowerHeli.com as they have excellent customer service and of course, fast shipping. I know that as soon as I place an order, Ken is on it. So for all your parts needs, be sure to check out LowerHeli.com. I did not get any flying in this week. Um, this week I did a little bit of a little bit of tinkering, slowly just kind of getting the nitro all finished up and and kind of everything back together. Uh, like I mentioned, it was like National Update Week a while back, so I went through and got all those updated. And this week has kind of been how do I put it? I'm gonna say that it's like. This week has been the week, a really big week, or maybe even two, going back to week of reflection for me. Um, I'm trying to, I, I feel like I need a change 
I've definitely, and I, I can, I have no problem just coming right out and admitting this because we're all human and we've all been through this. I, I was in a, pre, a pretty, for me, a really big lull. I wasn't overly excited about flying. I wasn't overly excited about working on my models. You know, I just kind of was, I felt like I was in a, a very mundane routine. And so I am, uh, I'm kind of, I'm in the process of, you know, uh, well, yeah, as one person put it, oh yeah, so you're getting ready to be Nick, right? which is apparently impulsive and, and and decisions driven on emotion, right, Justin? Maybe a little. Maybe a little. <laughs> yeah, and I think the difference is is that I'm uh now I'm not even going to remotely deny it and I'm going to embrace it. Uh the hobby side the the heli side of the hobby and i i actually i mean i'd look at it in two separate sides the heli side and the, and the podcast side the heli side for me is not it, it's weird because when you sit down and think about it it's like i have nothing to complain about like nothing to complain about J- justin made a really good point uh when we were talking about it he's like dude you have with the exception of the nitro just totally kicking my ass, which to be quite fair, a very good majority of that was my fault. I've gone the longest stretches with no issues on anything in a long time. All you've done is fly. I know. And you know, that's like, it's been awesome. I've picked up some new moves along the way. I'm pretty content with my flying for considering, you know, age and an amount that I can get out to the field. But part of me really kind of, I, I feel like there's a little bit of emptiness there with the, you know, the nick of old as far as, I mean, I used to be all about the the deal, right? Oh my gosh. I mean, I remember we were talking about getting so pumped for Black Fridays. And, dude, I picked up a, guess what I got? Used off the forum. I found this. Can't believe the guy just gave it away. You know, or uh, having, you know, trying that new fly barless system or or looking at stuff and getting excited about it. You know, oh, check that out. Yeah, dude, I totally got to get that. I just don't feel that way as much anymore. So I am working on remedying that. I don't have all the answers to all my questions right now yet, but uh, I think the important part is that I recognize it. I'm looking at it with a, a very positive attitude. I'm trying to pace myself in my decisions and and try and find uh, try and find the middle of the road. You know, back, like, I think back to the E700s, man, that's been, man, that was an incredible flying time for me. Oh, that was an incredible flying time. The comfort level was way up. The fun level was way up. But, man, I was so frustrated with 
updates weren't happening on the fly barless system that I had on there that I wanted and I'd crash it and go to find parts and I couldn't find parts and it was just like, ah, screw all of this, you know. I don't ever want to mess with any of that ever again. So I went from one side, which was constant tweaking and tuning and, and uh, you know, all of that, to the total opposite end of the spectrum, which is now I never have any problems <laughs> with anything. And I feel like that kind of that took a little bit of Nick away. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah, dude, sure. because it's kind of like um, it's a bit of an extreme, but it's kind of like you've got the perfect heli life. I do. Nothing goes wrong. No, you don't have yeah. to do anything. You just pick the heli you feel like flying that day and you go fly. Yeah. And like anything else in life, um, the the uh, the the struggle or the journey is itself the reward. Yeah, I I definitely feel disconnected uh a bit I'm feeling a bit disconnected from the average Joe. You know, I I got an email and getting all caught back up with the emails that was someone and they were talking about PID stuff. And I was just sitting like there, you know, answering the questions and, and don't get me wrong, I know I'm confident with my answers, but I'm sitting there going you're borderline hypocritical here, pal, because you haven't got down and dirty with PIDs in a long time. <laughs> and, you know, I, I still feel confident once you understand it, but I, I feel dis, I, I'm feeling a bit disconnected as an average Joe so hobbyist. So one one question I would have is, do you think you know? Because that's been a couple. Has it been a couple years since yeah. the E seven hundred? Yeah. So do you think that um, with recent, I don't know, advancements in the hobby, both in model quality, you know, fabric fabrication quality, parts quality, all that stuff, QAQC, and then the advancements that we've seen, you know, on the fly barless side and the reliability and how well all the models fly now, and then factoring all of that together with you know, your competency within the hobby and how well you can build, troubleshoot, mm -hmm. and tune. Do you think that, you know, like other models or other fly barless systems you'd really have any issues with anymore, though, like you did with the E700s? <sighs> you know. Or do you think it's just going to be like from brand X to brand Y, but they're really kind of all the same tune now because it's just the direct, I mean, this is just, you know, high-level observation. It, it just feels like that's the direction the hobby's going, everything has just gotten so good and so similar. I mean, kind of like we were just talking about uh, That's a with really Justin, good point, Jesse. They're all kind of converging where we can't even hardly find differences why one model's better than another. So I'm just curious if that would really change with, you know, whatever changes you're looking at making, but just that kind of general yeah. thought. You know, I don't like know. You just, you just want a brand to make a shitty model. <laughs> no, 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 well, no, no, no. Too no. far? That's too far. Too yeah, far. that's too far. Um, I don't know, Jesse, but I 
Because I mean, let's face it, you're you're better at building now. You're better oh, yeah. at probably tuning now. You're better. Mm-hmm. So it's like you start factoring in all that stuff. It's like, well, maybe you just won't have any problems anymore because of how far everything's come and how far you've come in the hobby. Maybe, but you know what I've what I've realized or what I'm slowly starting to realize is that part of the hobby for me, part of the enjoyment, part of a a key bit of enjoyment on the heli side mm-hmm. is finding out. Yeah. Just like Justin said, the journey getting there. And now, you know, now on the, on the, the flip side to that, what I have learned over the last two years, um, you know, I've, I've now experienced what it's like to be in, I'll call it component bliss, you know, no issues, no issues with the models just fly and uh and i've man let me tell you like <laughs> you can pry my 570 and v control out of my cold dead hands mm-hmm. i mean it ain't gonna happen that right there is a piece a biggest piece of heaven that i've had in this hobby when it comes to flying i love that setup right there you know i love that setup now Back before two years ago, I didn't know what that felt like, and it was too easy to try and bounce to all of this. Well, I had success with one and all of that, and I if, if there's anything I've learned over the last two years is just like we always talk about, never screw with your one awesome flying model. You know what I mean? So I think that, um, I think that I've, I've, I've learned what it, I would, let's see, how do I face it? How do I say it? I'm at the point now where I'm much more comfortable with going out to the field. And if I have a problem with something, making a decision right then and there on what I want to really accomplish that day. And if I went out there to fly, it doesn't bother me anymore to just set it down and grab the known good. You know what I mean? Whereas before, I got so wrapped up in, well, I have to fix this. I mean, I've got a day. I've got a whole day out at the field. That means I can get 12 flights on it. I've got, Of course, I can get this figured out in 12 flights. I, I'm not so, so worried about that anymore, unless that's what I really want to do. But I, I think I just never had the appreciation for it. Yeah, put two three in on it but i'm not gonna let it bum my day out if i can't get it figured out and that's what the last two years has taught me big time that i really enjoy that nice you know that that safety cushion so to say so maybe it's you know maybe it's time for nick to find a a hybrid i went to one extreme one side i've gone to one extreme the other now i need to you know, I'm working on finding where that balance is in the middle for me. Hmm. Yeah, no, no real answers yet. Um, I'm just trying to Very be philosophical. Yeah, I'm, tr- <laughs> I'm. Well, I'm trying to. You know, I'm trying to not be whatever <laughs> what I know that I am, which is you know can be impulsive. All the listeners just coles- collectively gasped. No, nah, probably wondering laughed. what it is. But yeah, actually, you know what? It probably is laughter. Yeah, yeah. it's probably laughter. Yep. Like, yep. oh, he's coming back. You know, here's Nick. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just I want to. 
you know, I want to bring 110% to the podcast and, you know, make the hobby and the podcast as enjoyable as it can for me. And I feel really good that before I've let myself get in big slumps and not recognized it before it got much worse. It's okay, dude. You, I, I get it. You just want to, you just want to hang your nick out. I, I kind of do want to hang my nick out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see where this little, you know, where this path goes. I don't know yet, but I'm excited. I'm excited about the hobby. Just not sure about what yet. That's Sweet. all that matters, right? Yeah, for sure. You guys all know me, and you definitely know what I look for when it comes to helicopters, and that is reliability. For several months now, in hundreds of flights, I've been flying the MSH Protos Max. I'm to the point where I have complete confidence when this heli's in the air. I know that the quality manufacturing and the amazing part support from MSH USA will keep this model at the top of my list. For those of you looking for a top-notch 700 or even an 800-class helicopter that screams quality and has an unbeatable price tag, look no further than MSHUSA.com. Unlike the previous two people before me, I actually did get some flying in this week. What? Damn it. Go figure, right? Act, and actual flying. Like, take a whole card sort of fly, you know, or I guess not get any part of a no-fly card sort of flying. Um, so this last week, if you remember back to last week, I rem- remember I crunched the tail boom out of my aggression and not wanting to reuse parts, so my... New tail boom came in last Monday, as well as the blades and a new RPM sensor for the nitro. So Monday basically got home from work, you know, 3.30 or 4 o'clock, grabbed a cup of coffee and immediately headed for the garage, um, which is awesome because it has been quite some time. And it just doesn't seem like those days come along very often where you just know right when you're walking out of work, it's like, I don't have anything to do tonight but basically kick back and work on heli. So it was a really, really good day. I finished up getting the Hobbywing 160 installed on the Protos, which did include um, re-soldering the current sensor. So I just decided to rip the heat shrink off, take the, it ended up being the negative lead. So pulling that little chunk of wire completely out, getting a new piece of 10 gauge, soldering it all in there, uh, making sure, you know, every, everything was good to go. Not, arcing or bridging anything on the board and just keeping everything neat and tidy, reheat shrinking that and getting it installed on the helicopter. And then as I was installing, so I I get all this stuff done. The front of the Protos is pretty much wrapped up. I go through, get the hobby wing all programmed, um, the field programmer, get it all set up, feeling good. Everything is, is good to go. Now it's like, okay, I've already got the whole tail assembly built on the new tail boom. And now it's like, let's slide the tail boom in, and this thing is basically ready to go. Set the belt tension, and we're done. I go to slide the tail boom in and feed the belt up through the boom blocks and up through the pulley and go to kind of get it set so that I can slide the main gear in. Because if you remember with the Protos, it's got it's belted for the motor and belted for the tail. So you kind of got to go high and low with you know one belt goes high, one belt goes low, and you slide the main gear right in the middle. Um, and kind of capture both belts at the same time. 
And as I'm sliding the tail boom in, I'm like, man, this belt is freaking short. This thing has got to go. I'm thinking it's not sliding in the boom blocks all the way or just like, what is going on here? This is not even a prayer. You know, I have the tensioner all the way loose, not even a prayer of getting the main gear in there. So I'm like, oh, no. It immediately just like clicked what I had done. And sure enough, grabbed the the tape measure. I had ordered an 800 boom. <laughs> Yay! With no 800 belt or any other parts. Uh-huh. To go that <laughs> sounds <yay>. familiar. <laughs> and so, and what was funny is like immediately, like, you know, I dig the package back out of the garbage. I'm like, no way. How did I do this? Sure enough, looked at the part number on the packaging. And yeah, it said 800 millimeter Protos Max V2 boom. I'm like, crap. Go back to my Heli Direct order, and I'm looking through there. And what was really confusing is I went back to the website again to where it's like, okay, well, let me try adding this to my cart again. Like I had to have just made a mistake or selected the wrong thing. And I actually can't figure out or find on Heli Direct where you order a 700 millimeter boom because you you click on the Protos tail boom, and then within the description of that part, it has both the 700 millimeter and the 800 millimeter part listed, but with no drop down menu to select which one you want to add to your cart. So you go add to cart and it automatically puts the 800 one in there. So I, maybe there's a whole nother entry or keep, I, I mean, I looked through all the pages of parts they had and I, I couldn't find it. I'm sure I'm just overlooking it, but I, I, after I went back and looked at that, I easily kind of saw how I made the mistake, but Nonetheless, I'm sitting here trying to get the helicopter back together with a boom that's now, you know, roughly 100 millimeters too long. So pull everything off the back of the boom and get back down to just the bare boom. Luckily, I did have the old one still sitting there. So measured that out, you know, marked it all up and Dremel with some sandpaper on a flat surface and got that all shortened up and installed. So. You didn't pull a poochie, though. You didn't cut it too short, did you? It might have been just like an eight. Nothing that the belt tensioner couldn't couldn't take out. But by the time I got it all flat and level with the sandpaper and get, you know, get got it all looking nice on the end, it was maybe like an eighth of an inch shorter than the other one. Um, Okay, not bad. But there was plenty of room in the tensioning system and it, it was able to still tighten up just fine with with no issues. So crisis averted. But at first I was. I got to tell you, I was just sitting there going, trying to cram the boom further into the boom blocks and just like, <laughs> what is going on here? It just, it did not, it, it took way longer to click than I want to admit. <laughs> but anyway, so that heli with that, you know, minor little modification, if you will, uh, completely back together, then moved over to the nitro, hung that one back up and pulled the nitro down off the shelf and pulled out the whole clutch assembly, the clutch bell, and put the new RPM sensor on there, which, you know, 20, 30-minute job, not a big deal. And then did a couple test uh, spool-ups on the bench with the with the nitro, not letting it fully come up to the full head speed. I, I was basically just looking. I wanted to see in the log file if I was still getting that governor air, governor input air, like I was the previous weekend. Um, from what I could tell on Monday, it looked like everything was good to go. So... Um, good evening of working on helis and I was sitting there with the fleet that I felt was uh, 100% ready to go to the field. So that brings me over to Tuesday, which 
Originally, I hadn't planned on going Tuesday. I'd planned on Wednesday being my flying day, just with kind of other plans I had for the week and whatnot. But looking at the weather around here, it's like it was a do or die on Tuesday because as you guys know, I'm assuming, Justin, you got similar weather. It rained Wednesday and then today Yep, here. So Tuesday was my really my last window of opportunity. So got out there about 4.30, I believe, just you know, loaded everything up and ran over to Troy's and immediately wanted to start with the nitro because you remember i got the 710 blades on there i got the upgraded clutch all the pieces of the puzzle are falling together and super stoked with you know fixing the governor to uh finish off that review and bust out you know brought a couple gallons of fuel with me and bust out some flights on the nitro and so you know go carry it out there set it down and go to spool it up and let it spool up the head speed dials in perfect i'm like all right, this is, everything is looking great. This is a good sign because before it was kind of surging a little bit. The tail wasn't the happiest. You could just tell something was going on with the throttle. So now the thing is just sitting there right at 1950, hovering great. So, you know, what do I do? I immediately turn it side in, nose to the left, and go to do just like a full-on backwards aggressive flip. And as soon as I feed in, both elevator and collective, the helicopter rocks back on the tail to about 90 degrees. So the nose is pointing straight up and my fingers are telling it to continue around. Um, you know, I'm still pulling backwards on the elevator and all of a sudden the helicopter just 100% freaks out, like tries to eat itself in the air, freaks <laughs> out like forward elevator, right aileron, like just craziness starts happening. So as soon as I see that, you know, instantly hit throttle hold. Um, and sure enough, it just kind of, once I hit throttle hold, it did settle itself down. It didn't completely stop. It still, it still seemed very unstable. And then obviously as the head speed was slowing down, that would lead to more instability. Um, but I was able to bring it back down to the ground with no further, uh, with, with no damage at all, actually just Needed a clean pair of shorts after that. You know, that was the only damage from that. Um, so at this point, it's unfortunate, but at this point, I think it's got to be a V-bar failure. I mean, I, I don't see anything else. I have no reason to believe that those servos, especially since I saw elevator and aileron input, um, that that would mean, you know, two of the servos, I guess. Did you check the wires for like Nick's? Because it checked, sounds a lot yep, like the, you were there when I had the same problem with my NX7. Yep, that is true. And that was um, a nicked wire. Yep, I did look them over because they're all they're all uh, very accessible, and I just had all the wiring out because before last week I went and completely you know tore the sensor open and how I routed the sensor wire underneath the battery tray up front or the little receiver pack tray. Um, everything was tucked under there. So all the wires I just had out and looked everything over when I had them out and didn't see anything. Um, I did check that the sensor was still secured inside the case that, you know, the epoxy or glue or however they have that fixed in there. None of that looked loose. So the sensor wasn't like moving independently of the case or the helicopter. Um, so yeah, at this point it's, uh, get a new V bar coming. And, uh, hopefully that fixes it. I'm, I might just as one more test and just cause it, 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 it's a really simple swap, um, pull the one off the protos just to test, but 
I don't even know if I want to do that. I might actually just order one and get it all converted over anyways. That way it's all um, the new v, you know, new mini V-bar with the built-in receiver and get rid of the blue line with the external kind of V-control receiver. So, Oh, a new Neo, you mean? Yeah, just get yeah, a new, yeah. just get a brand new Neo with the re- internal receiver and just basically be done with it. So I don't blame you. But that is going to kind of suck if I do all that and then still have <laughs> problems. So it, we'll see. It, it's, it really isn't a big deal to just swap the other one over there real quick other than basically taking the Protos out of, you know, out of service for a day at the field. So um, we'll see which direction that goes. Um, luckily, the Protoss was ready to go, so I just benched the uh, Nitro and still got seven flights in on the Protoss. So bolting on those 716, or sorry, the 713 switchblades and hammering down. So no issues there. The I did not have any... At least it hasn't shown itself yet. I know how random it was in the past, but the Hobbywing 160 flew great, um, came down cool, and the current sensor appeared to be functioning properly, as it should. The amp spikes and the milliamp consumption seemed right in range with what I was seeing before, so hopefully no uh, negative effects for resoldering that. But Nice. So time and time will tell on the speed controller. Definitely want to get some more flights in on it, but so far everything's looking good. And don't have to worry about charging a receiver pack. So huge thumbs up on that one. But yay. Yeah, that just unacceptable anymore. Unacceptable. <laughs> Sweet dude. So yeah, that's what I've been up to. It was a pretty good week. Got in some flying, got in a bunch of wrenching, and for the most part, my fleet's ready to go. I at least have a plan of attack. So yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I guess cool. that leaves me. Yeah, what about you? I'm not sure how this has happened, but I have three goblins in my fleet. Buying the goblins, that was the hard part. Deciding what servos to run in them, well, that was easy. I would even go so far as to say a no-brainer. Makes no difference if you're a brushless or a coreless fan. BK servos can meet your needs. In my gasblins, I'm running BLS 8002 HVs and in the new 570, coreless DS 7002 HVs. These servos provide exactly what I'm looking for, and you just can't beat the price and customer service. To find out more about these awesome servos, head on over to bkdesignsllc.com. Let's see. Flying, yes. Friday, Saturday, and today. Damn. Um, Oh, man. Can you feel the jealousy? (laughs) <laughs> like I'm actually sitting in it, like in a puddle. I went, let's see, Friday we went, I went to the field. Saturday I went flying, but I didn't actually get any flying in. So I didn't go to the field. I went to a friend's house. And I was, I mean, I took everything up there. But when when I got up there, I was pulling into his field where he flies. And I was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't going to work for me. Um South facing, sun's right in the face. Oh, you know? so although I did go, I went and watched uh, Thomas fly, fly a bunch of times. I, I just, I just, I was like, dude, I, and it's small, it's tight, you know, houses all around, and I was like, yeah, I, I'll just hang out. But uh, 
Today was a gasser day. I came home from work, got about three hours of sleep, and got up at around noon and went out to the field. And um, loving the gasser. Didn't fly the 570 at all today. And I flew the shit out of it the week prior on the Friday. Um, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I'm tr- I should keep a mental note, but I'm not because I'm doing the tally, mm-hmm. which is weird because I d- it makes me not even think about how many, you know, mentally note, like, let's see, I think there was 10 to, I, I just don't do that anymore because yeah, yeah. it's all, you know, uh, but just, just from guessing, I don't know. I, I don't I mean, it's hard to put a number on it, but, uh, definitely today I, I burnt almost a gallon of kerosene today. Damn, dude. Nice. Dude. That's like yeah, two and a half hours of flying. Dude. Well, I get, yeah, I guess, it, I guess that's about right. I get about, I want to say, I got to actually increase my timer. I got my timer set at seven and a half minutes and I come down at maybe three, three quarter, well, a quarter tank left. So, okay. Um, I'm running, it's a little rich, but that's kind of on purpose. It's, it's still putting out a lot of power, but, um, it's kind of a safety feature. More I've noticed that it it seems like with the the ones that I've flown, if they're too rich, man, they really suck the fuel down. Yes, they do. Like almost more so than a nitro. And they sound like shit when they're too rich. <laughs> yes, that. <laughs> yes, they do. But there's that line, and you find that line when you kind of get familiar with it. Um, and it's a sound thing. And see, I used to never. When I first started flying gassers back in the day, it was, and I think it was because of the pipes maybe, or the, you know, because we were using, when I first started flying gassers, we were just using those black square boxes that come on weed eaters. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was really not, there really wasn't, the sound cues weren't very good. In fact, a lot of the guys were like, eh, don't even really tune it by sound. You know, we were tuning with temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, but I'm, I don't know, man, I'm kind of getting used to the sound and I can, I can definitely tell when it's starting to get a little too lean and definitely tell when it's a little too rich. And, uh, it's just there, you just, there's that line of just smooth. <laughs> and then if you're just a little too rich, it just really sounds like a pig, you know, really it's ragged. Just, and Yeah. Rough. It's, yeah. Like a, like a paint can almost. You know? What's it do when it's too lean? It, it kind of makes the same sound except the power is is uh there is it it's the power isn't consistent. It you do feel like you got a little more power, but it gives out after you start to cuz it starts to heat up. Okay, yeah, it, yeah. It, it yeah. gives out like during like a big power loop or Okay. You know, Whereas, you're in the mid. Okay. So like rich, it just doesn't have the power at all. Right. Yeah. And the sound. And I've noticed that too. It's like, oh my God. I mean, yeah. you're talking like if it's a if it's a bit too rich, it's almost the difference between like an OS fifty five and an OS fifty. I mean, it's really yeah. drastic. Hmm. Yeah, and it really starts to I mean, you can really hang it up quick with the collector. You can just really hear it. Of course you can with a gasser anyway, but um, the machine is just, that, that motor is just really coming into it. I bet you, I probably got, I want to say almost five gallons through it now. And, uh, God, this, this whole gasser thing is just exciting to me. That's just, it's just blowing up. It seems 
everywhere you look, somebody's talking about doing a gasser of some kind, you know. It's exciting times for the gassers. Let's see. So we got some flying in. Of course, I mentioned earlier, I did start a new job, and that sucks. Dan, do you, th- <laughs> you think the uh, the night shift is going to lead to more flying, though? It is. Because like, I'm it thinking is. in the winter, I mean, all of us work, and even if I'm getting off work at 3, by the time I get home, there's still not much daylight left to get in weekday flying or anything like that. Yeah, and it works great because I don't have to be to work till 9 o'clock at night, and it's long dark before then. Yeah. Oh, you that's know. awesome, though. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, the 570, I think, if I really, really wanted to, let's pretend we're at the beginning of the summer, of course, uh, ne- next spring, um, we'll say. I mean, if I really wanted to get, when you're in that night groove, it's like the first few nights, it was like, I'd get home and I'd just be just dead, dead tired. But as you kind of start to get into the groove, you're just, you're not, you know, you work the night. You're like, yeah, I suppose I should go to bed just to get some sleep, but you're not, you're not like just dying to lay down and go to sleep. So the generator, battery charger and a couple packs and a helicopter in the back of the truck. And I passed by two flying fields on the way home. Right. So what time are you getting off? Seven in the morning. Okay. Yeah. 10 hour shifts. So. Yeah. I, I mean, why? I was kind of curious because I've never really worked that. I mean, why would it, couldn't you make it just like a normal job where you, I mean, I go flying after I get off work. You could, you could, but nights it's, uh, you know, I used to work nights all the time back, back when I was a nurse in a previous lifetime. Once you get into the groove of it and, and you know, it, you can, you don't have to go, it's it's kind of tough to get into that because typically, you know, you work and you just get home and you're just so freaking tired because you've had to stay up all night. But when you yeah, kind of yeah. get into that groove, but then it's not such a big deal anymore. And, you know, you just, the, the my, I guess, I think my biggest concern or most people who work nights, their biggest concern is if they just dick around too much in the morning after they're done working. <laughs> Next thing you know, it's like they're, going to bed too late in the afternoon and they're not getting the sleep they need. Yeah. So it's, or, it's, and it would be harder for me to sleep in the afternoon than it would be in the morning too. Yeah. Or yeah I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. It's, I, 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 I prefer nights. I've always been kind of a night owl anyway, but anyway, um, you know, kind of going off what you were saying, Nick, for me, it's, um, kind of separating the hobby, the helicopter hobby from the podcast side of things. I kind of feel like I'm exactly opposite of what you're saying. I feel like in the last month, well, a few months, that I've really kind of come into back into the hobby itself and I'm enjoying the shit out of flying, right? But there's yeah. just there's some thing I mean, I just it's like when you guys get to talking about shaving a hundred grams here and, and all this, this minute stuff. It's like, I'm just so focused on trying to learn how to do a full pyro flip that I, I just, I feel like if I, if I just, I just need to focus on that. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, so I feel like I'm really kind of getting in tune with the flying again. That's see, that's, that's good. And I mean, man, that's the name of the game. If there's anything that I think anyone should take away from this episode that's listening, it's it doesn't matter what it is. There's no one solution 
you know, if you're not feeling, if you're just not feeling it and you're not in a groove, you know, oh, what should I do? Dude, it, <laughs> I mean, the, the, it, you just don't know. I mean, it's different for every single person. See, for me, if I, I just, I've done the flying thing. I can go out there and do kind of what I want to do right now. Yeah, I'd love to be better, but you know what I mean. So I, my cup was filled there, but uh, I had some other ones that were empty. And, and I think that's, man, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit jealous of it that you you know where your happiness is and that you have the opportunity to do it and to work on it that's man i i, I know how that feels well, and, and you're focusing cool. on the right thing too that's Dan. right like Absolutely. don't worry about shaving 80 grams worry yeah, about who flying who cares if that's not what you're really interested in then you know yeah who cares man because i've seen I, you know, I saw the look when you, when you came over here and we were out there flying at the Linden field. It's funny. Cause I actually found, I need to put those videos up. Oh, uh, I found the, <laughs> no, I mean, I found the video of me driving the 700 through the grass. Okay. good. Yeah. I mean, just massive, so much grass flying up. And, and then I found uh, the one of me taking a pull on your gasser too. And that one, I actually really want to get up cause I want people to hear the power of that 300, you know, and to see what, see what I was doing with it, uh, just cause it was so much more capable than I had expected. Um, so I'll, I need to get those videos up, but man, I saw that look on your face and it was like, you were in the right, like you, you were in the right spot, man. I mean, no question. And, and my happiness at that time was, you know, to see, I wasn't particularly over, overly happy in the, the, the hobby side, the, the, I don't know how to put it. I was just having fun cause you were having fun. You know what I mean? So I think it's cool. I think it's really cool. My hat's off that you've, that you found it and dude, just roll with it because it'll, you know, it's inevitable. Welcome to the hobby. There's going to be another speed bump down the road somewhere. You'll have to find it out again all over again and reinvent the wheel. That's why, well, people may say, oh, you're being Nick. You're bouncing around. Yeah, well, you know, I am. I do bounce around, but damn it, seven years later or whatever, I'm still here. When I first started in the hobby, you know Jesse's point about about how how these technologies are are converging mm-hmm. and they're starting to be very similar in how they work and how well they perform. You know, regardless of which which brand you you choose to go with, and it wasn't that way. Um, it kind of forced a person to dig into that technical stuff because you kind of had to, because you needed to kind of be able to differentiate and, and kind of weed through the shit to get your machine to fly. But nowadays these machines, regardless of the brand you pick, it's going to most likely, if you go with a reputable brand, it's going to, it's going to go together. It's going to fly well. The flag, the controller is going to fly good on the default settings, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to, well, maybe, maybe not good, but it's going to fly. 
If like and, good, you know, maybe I mean, not great. Good yeah. enough. Right. Yeah. Whereas I remember the very first fly barless system I got was the uh, original Align 4G, I think they call it, right? The first one? 3G. The original 3G. 3G. Yeah. I put it on a 500. I called HeliPros when I heard they were getting them in. I think actually Larry called me and told me they were getting them in. And mm-hmm. I paid for one before they even had one. And I said, as soon as it gets to your door, put it in a box and send it to me. And I put it on the 500. Thing got six six inches off the ground and just flipped over. You know? <laughs> They've come a long ways. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm getting at. I, I think that people... You know, it's it's apparent to me that the four of us in this podcast are at very different air levels. It's obvious. We've known that for a long time. And I think there's a lot of flyers out there that are they just want to put their shit together, right? Get their components that they can trust, that, that their friends tell them they should get, slap that shit on there, and just go fly it, right? And not necessarily worry about which blade should I use? Should I use yeah. a, you know, a 10 mm-hmm. mil, 10 centimeter or millimeter longer blade, or should I go with a seven thirteen or a six ninety yep. or cause the machine's going to fly. Yep. Hey, check you know, this it, may not, it works. <laughs> yeah. All. Yeah. And you can learn how to fly and you can do, and, and that's kind of where I'm at. I think it's, I don't know. It's kind of a strange, strange position, but <laughs> I'm having fun with it. And, um, I really think, and I mentioned this a couple of shows ago, uh, having Thomas around now is really sparking that because he bought a helicopter and he's putting it in and crashing it every couple of days and phenomenal young pilot, you know, and he's, he and I are kind of feeding off each other. And I think that's helping as well. So that's the name you know. of the game, man. It It's. I don't know. Everyone knows. I mean, it, it's like the saying, everyone knows I've been getting into backpacking with my kid more and that, it, but there is a saying that really sticks out, which is hike your own hike, you know, do, do what it is at that time that is going to make you happy and, and literally just piss on it, piss everyone. Who cares about everyone else and their thing? And that's what to me makes this hobby fun. And as long as you are open, and I don't mean you, I mean everyone is open to that in four or five months, that might not be doing it for you anymore. Don't give up. Just kind of reinvent yourself. Yep. Try something. Redirect. You know, maybe then it is time to try something new to spice it back up a little bit. Yeah. Just do your own thing. It's yep. your hobby. So hats off, Dan. Winter's coming up, and we were talking uh, about, you know, Justin mentioned the the simulator stuff, kind of a, as a winter kind of tinker project. Mm-hmm. Around with that, God, I've I've been thinking about a winter project, and uh, it's something I've wanted to do, and I've said it many many times, but I think I actually was in the trailer, looking around, going, okay, so if I were to get into this project where would I put this project? Right. And I, I really want to do a scale heli. Oh shit. Aha. Sweet. <laughs> but I want to do a big scale heli. So what you're saying is you need to swap trailers back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm what I'm thinking about doing is, um, putting one of those, getting a topper for my truck. Oh yeah. 
and putting one of those roll decks in the truck or the rollout beds. Uh, yep. But do you do you even need the rollout bed for? I mean, can't you just kind of like? I think it would be easier just to anchor it down, you know, because you could roll it well, out and and anchor. But it. If, I, maybe if not. I don't you know. Pull the trailer to the field. I don't think the bed will roll out with the trailer hooked up to the truck. All you got to do is unhook it. Ah, yeah, if man. you want to do that. <laughs> That's true. I don't know, man. You'd be surprised. I got a nice, you know, I have that, um, I have one of those, the carpet kits for the bed of my truck, indoor, outdoor, you know, what is it, bed rug or something like that. Yeah. And and it's like, it's a very good balance of shit doesn't necessarily slide when I don't want it to, but I just always set the helis, kind of pushed them back and then threw a little piece of uh, Velcro. Yeah, yeah. And what, it, it was one, great. One thing I did, I actually did kind of ponder and looked a little bit. They're kind of expensive, but um, those hard tunnel covers that, that, that hinge up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I'd have to check clearance. I, I don't really, I haven't really, I've just been kind of browsing at uh, fuselages and stuff like that over the last week or so. I haven't really seriously looked at like measurements and stuff like that. I, I you know, I, I don't, there's a lot of shit to figure out, but it's just something I've always wanted to do. And, um, I just, I think that would be cool as shit. That's something I kind of want to, that's something I think I want to do over the winter. Um, Man, that nice. Now you're just like really making me jealous. <laughs> Cause and I, I think I want to go with one of those super scales from our Sierra dine. You know, so uh, that like, that's what I would do because I'm not interested out there painting people's faces on and you know shit like that i am i'm a little bit concerned because i have definitely heard that within scale helis quality on the drivetrain components is a concern you know like kip kip lost his Twice lost the tail on his super scale twice. I think it just went in recently a third time. Yeah, he re-kitted it. I don't know if you knew that, Dan. Yeah, he re- he didn't he put it in at Snohomish. Yeah, I think yep. so. Yeah, yeah. And like that, like that, just <laughs> we we just get done with the conversation about we don't have problems with models anymore. I don't want to turn the clock back there. Like I'm not interested in <laughs> yeah. stripping out torque tube gears anymore. So. Well, I'm going to look into it. I, I don't know. I mean, I um, I know one guy, and I think, Justin, recently you've had a bit of a conversation with uh, BK Foster. He's been doing that super scale stuff for a long time, and I don't think he's had any problems with his. I haven't talked to him in a while. but I think a lot of people have had success with those, dude. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I know so little about scale. Honestly, I don't know where you go from there, and well, I think that that's kind of like that would be my first step. But, like, when I look at what I saw at Urcha, and I didn't go and talk to the guys. I didn't have time, and they were busy. But it was one of those things where it's like, that can't be a kit. You know, at some point, you get to a high enough level and scale. I feel like it's all custom. Yeah, and that's I don't want to take it that far, to be honest with you. I mean, I would love to get, like, uh, one of the super scales with the that's got all the hidden mechanics, you know? Kind of like that one that we saw at our fun fly when they were there, um, over in Spokane. Uh, that you guys remember that one? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yep, for sure. You kidding me? <laughs> Sweet happy. 
But again, I don't know. I got to, it's just something I'm kind of thinking about and uh, we'll see. We'll see. Pretty much wraps it up. You know, I'm just, uh, I'll be heading to the field tomorrow. So, and um, Sunday is, or tomorrow's Friday. I'll be heading to the field Saturday. Tomorrow's bike day. (laughs) Sunday's bike day and then back to work. Uh, living the life. <laughs> Trying to. It's fun. It sucks that I have to go back to work, but I guess we all have to do that at some point. Anyway, that's it. That's it cool, for me. Man. Do we have any nice. news this week? Yeah, we got some news. There are very few tools in the hobby that really make you take a step back and admire their precision, quality, and simplicity. But when you do find such a tool, you cherish it. The Soko Heli tool fits this description perfectly. With its simple concept, adaptable design, and smartphone-based approach to setting up a heli with a level swash and the proper pitch ranges, there's not much more than you can ask for. All helis, all sizes, one tool. So before you build or set up your next model, Head on over to www.soco-heli-tools.com and pick up a Soco Heli tool. Soco Heli tools, bringing precision and simplicity to your toolbox. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com. All right, well, Perfect Regulators has their uh, Lipo Discharger Pro out for sale right now. $115. Uh, You know, from all the reports that I've heard, people have been actually very happy with it. Um, Pretty cool. I know (laughs) Justin, he said, you got to be sitting there like, you son of a gun, dude. It is what it is. I mean, I shit the bed by not getting my shit done in time, so it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, but that's, you know, uh, it, it does look like a really cool unit, um, fairly compact. I've got a link up here, so there's a couple videos that you can watch to go over. Um, it, it's it's cool. It It definitely looks like it will... Uh, do the job that you needed to do. There's an optional uh, discharger audible alert accessory as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely go over and check that out. And again, so far I've heard nothing but good stuff. Uh, we'll we'll kind of give you an update as it uh, hits the market a little bit more. Uh, so, Justin, I don't know. Did you? I had must have missed this one. The jetty is having, they're putting out telemetry servos. Yeah. So jetty, uh, I, I can't remember what the actual name of the brand Ditex. is. There we go. Thank you. D-I-T-E-X. Yeah. So Ditex is the brand of servo and they're working with jetty on jetty brand servos you know it's a rebranded ditex obviously but yeah it will incorporate um it will incorporate servo telemetry in terms of location of the servo i think i've seen stuff on temperature of certain models 
I don't know how much of this is really applicable to helis other than the cool factor, but I do know, especially like in larger fixed wing applications where, you know, like you, if it's a big enough model, you may have like four or eight servos to do one function Mm -hmm. like aileron or, you know, a few servos on elevator or something like that. And then I think the uh, the telemetry to make sure everything's going well may be more useful. But I don't know. It's interesting to see. I know a lot of people who are fans of Jetty are excited about trying the servos out, telemetry aside. Yeah. Well, and they've got a really good, really good reputation with, you know, being associated with quality components. So, you know, if they're reliable, I'll, I'll, it'll be curious to see the prices you know, when we get there, but who knows? I noticed they also put up on their Jetty USA Facebook page that they're doing batteries. Now, that one makes me like, yeah. And I don't have hardly any info on that, but I do want to know more. Yeah, it just says now you can find a pro power battery for many of your RC needs. Jetty USA uh, has just added several new sizes to our line of pro power batteries. So this almost kind of sounds more like a possibly a Jetty USA thing. Yep. Okay. Yeah, in co- in concert with a Spree Tech, formerly a Spree model. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, be interesting to see how that one works out. I feel like batteries are just, oh man, such a difficult thing. <laughs> stick to what you know. Yeah. Stick to, <laughs> stick to it exactly. So I guess this is kind of interesting, Blade. They they put out an ad in Model Aviation for the new 200S, but then haven't announced it yet, and people are kind of laughing like it's almost like the ad aired before they intended it to. So there there is a new um, blade out the the 200S, and uh, you know we're we're again back in the almost all of their small helis now are doing the whole safe technology. And I, I still really feel like when it comes to, to this size, I feel like they're still doing really well. You know what I mean? This is like the predecessor to the 200 SRX. I guess they kind of went through and, and fixed, you know, fixed the issues, uh, that the SR, uh, X had. And I, you know, I get a lot of emails of people like, okay, well, I've flown nothing but quads and coaxes. Where should I go? Golden 770. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Gasser. Gasser, straight to Gasser. it. Straight to Gasser. <laughs> I don't, I just, you know, with how these, with the safe technology and the advancements in fly barless system and being able to, you know, tweak and tune the, the self-writing portion of it to, to your, you know, to your feel. I feel like that does kind of add value in, in this size range and price range. I don't know. What do well, you guys think? I have to think that this, you know, with the, I mean, Blade's been around a long time. They're obviously doing something right. They're still in the hobby. They're still selling helicopters. I think this is just a positive thing for the hobby because, 
I'm going to make the assumption that if they're still releasing models in this size, they must be selling models in this size. So who knows? Maybe there's this, you know, because, and we got to admit, we're not as plugged in with these, you know, with this size helicopter and with this technology. So maybe there's, you know, more people than we realize buying these up and still getting into the hobby. Well, it's still, you know, it doesn't surprise me because this is kind of inevitable that you've got people who jumped into the FPV racing mm-hmm. and the quad thing. Quad Quads brought a whole bunch of people to the hobby. Yep. And I'm sorry, uh, something with two blades is uh, is just still cool. You know what I mean? It's actually got moving parts other than a prop or four, should I say. Mm-hmm. And yep. I could see the draw. For people being like, ah, eh, my quad's just kind of okay, but now what do I do? Wow, yeah. look at this. This is cool. Look at all the you 3D. Know. You go watch the video. You yeah, like hooked, Dan, you know. what did you say that first time you got it? You're like, my God, look at all the fucking parts. <laughs> I mean, look at all this stuff. All the moving parts. Yeah, all the moving parts. I don't even know what it does, but look at all the moving parts and and where they've gone with the whole safe technology and you know allowing the self writing and mm-hmm. and that. It's got to be making these small entry-level models a lot better. Yeah. Don't know that for sure, but... Definitely putting I, some effort into it, so... Yeah. I think so. And that's good. And that, here's a great example of a company that just went back to what they do. You know, just just do what you do best and just keep doing that and, and, and make it the best that you can. Well, that's my news. I've got some updates. Okay. I think it was last week we were pondering aloud whether or not Leviathan and JC were the same company, JC Designs. Ah, yes. I don't know the story, but I was informed by the man who knows all when it comes to gassers, and of course, talking about Carrie Shirley. JC Designs used to be Leviathan Designs. Yeah. And he just went dot, 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 long story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Must, must Interesting. Be some, must be some some drama there. Well, that's uh, see to me that's cool because yeah. now I know that when it comes to conversion, like I feel like they've got my trust. Yeah. An MA update. MA does have an official U.S. distributor. It is not Carrie Shirley, mainly because Carrie told me that he would love to carry the gasser. But he would also have to carry all the other stuff as well. Oh, good yeah. point. Good point. Yeah. And we were talking about the kind of the upspring of the gasser culture within the hobby. And Carrie just told me that as of next season, he'll have three, possibly four models that are gasser conversions available. Nice. So that is awesome. That's pretty cool. That's I'm happy for Carrie. Most I mean, because that's he's really worked very hard to bring this this whole gasser. I mean, for a lot of years, you know, to kind of bring it bring it to where it is, you know, and him and there's a few others in the hobby as well that are that have helped. But I think it's awesome to see that kind of hopefully start to pay off <laughs> for him. So yeah. Uh, we will be having Carrie on the show soon. I would say within 
probably you know, probably not before our fun flight because that's just right around the corner, but shortly thereafter. That would be great. Nice. I feel like he's got the bug. Man. Yeah, it's um, we might be able to get him in before, but it's I think he's got some plans that are gonna kind of keep him from, from making it. So we'll see. We'll get him on there soon. Cool. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com for superior quality web and mobile development and design with a 100% money-back guarantee that's always on schedule and budget. Get the most from your website from www.superiority.com or www.dudemanlarry.com. Not kidding. Check him out. So coming into the topic this week, we mentioned there's a few reviews. And I think, Jesse, you're up this week for a review? I believe so, Dan. Floor is yours. Floor is mine. Well, if you remember back, I'm going to be doing a review on the YS96 SRX Turek Edition motor. So to start it off first, I have to give a huge shout out and thank you to Richard over at YS because... There's tons of, I know there's tons of listeners, myself included, who are very, very interested in this motor and just seeing, you know, is, what's all the hype about? Is it going to produce more power? Basically just what's the scoop on the motor? So huge thanks for getting it in our hands and uh, letting us do the review on it and put it through the paces. So to start off, um, right away you'll find, you know, as you open up the box, if you've flown, crashed, built done anything with any other ys motors this is going to look very very familiar or probably any nitro motor for that case so comes nicely packaged you know uh, foam and whatnot held tightly in place inside the box the motor does come fully assembled but one caveat i would still you know it's always a good precaution on stuff that comes fully assembled go ahead check the bolts on the back plate check the bolts on the head, make sure that everything is good to go. I can say that on the motor I received, everything was tight and there I wouldn't have had any issues just throwing the thing right in my helicopter and starting the break-in and going for it. Once you pull the motor out of the box, you'll find a little bag that'll have your, you know, your little servo arm that'll screw into the carburetor and all your little things there. And then you'll have that little one-way check valve. So you you want to make sure that you hang on to that sucker because I'm pretty sure I can speak for everyone on the show here that at one point or another, that little thing has caused us some heartache because if you remember what that does, when the pressure comes out of the bottom of the motor over to the fuel tank, that's going to prevent it from basically bleeding the pressure back to the motor, which will then prevent fuel from going to the carburetor. So you want to make sure you hang on to that sucker. Um, right away, getting the motor out of the box. As expected with you know any other YS motor that I've touched, absolutely screams quality. All the way from the green anodized head, the casting, um, and just everything about the motor. So one thing I do want to point out, you, you notice I mentioned the green anodized head. So for those of you that have done a little bit of research about this motor, maybe you looked at purchasing it, looked on the forums a little bit, you'll notice that it seems like there's two different versions of the YS-96. And in fact, there is. There's a U.S. version, which why, you know, the U.S. distributors and the U.S. 
branch, I guess, of YS is going to be carrying. And then there's an overseas version. So how to tell the difference? Um, the U.S. version is going to have the green anodized head. I think that's the easiest way to tell the difference, The kind of the dead giveaway. Overseas version is going to have a black anodized head. And then inside the motor, the U.S. version is going to have a steel-lined backplate. So what this is, or why, you know, why this is beneficial, is because if you think about how the motor goes together, when you put the backplate on the motor, or on the motor, it slides inside the motor almost to the point where it touches the connecting rod. And as that connecting rod's cycling around, you're going to get a little bit of rubbing or interference between the connecting rod and that backplate. Now, obviously, there's going to be oil and it's going to be well lubricated, but the steel-lined backplate is going to help provide just a little bit of increased wear resistant over the wear resistance over the all aluminum one. So for this review, it's a US version. As far as I know, anyone who's selling the motor within the US, um, this is going to be the version that you will receive if you decide to pick up the motor. So the first thing I did once I had the motor out of the box, check the screws, is probably the exact opposite from what I don't know, anyone else who just got this brand new motor would do. You know, I would say most people are at this point, either have a new heli for it to go in, or they're going to pull out an existing motor and swap this one right in. But first thing I did was tear every screw out of the motor and completely rip it down to its individual pieces and parts because I was super curious about figuring out what the difference was between this and the so you know the YS91 SR3DS that I'd become so familiar with. So. As soon as I pulled off the backplate to start taking apart the motor, looked inside and noticed that the crankshaft on the end appeared to be dynamically balanced. And I noticed this because it looked like it had been drilled and plugged in numerous places. So right away I thought, you know, this is really, really cool. Going to lead to an extremely smooth operating motor, hopefully, you know, at the normal operating RPMs and not send a bunch of vibes throughout the heli, which... We all know that nitros are known for. So that was something different that I know the uh, 91 did not have. And for pictures of this stuff, definitely check out the written review. I, I went through, as I was tearing down the motor, set, you know, YS91 parts next to YS96 parts and made sure that I kind of captured all this. So if you're not 100% familiar with the internals of the nitro motors, um, this this can all be clearly seen in the pictures that are going to be in the written review that'll be coming out next week. Um, so continuing to tear down the motor, as expected, the construction is is nearly identical. You still got you know connecting rod, which goes up to your wrist pin, which holds the piston on, and the wrist pin's captured by your two little spring retaining clips. Um, it's still a sleeved motor, like um, all the YS engines are. Um, so nothing out of the norm inside. So went ahead, put the motor back together after I'd captured all my pictures of the internals and then started putting it in the heli. So for this review, the YS96 SRX Trek Edition is going to be going in a pretty much bone stock Synergy N7. And I say bone stock because I do want to point out that for 95% of this review, I was using the stock clutch. Um, which I believe is the same size clutch as the N5C, and most people believe it to be undersized um, for this size model. But it's what I had in there, so that's what I did the review with, like like I said, for about 90% of the review. In addition, I'll be flying the 700mm compass blades, 30% in 
cool power fuel with an Enya 3 plug, the YS power pipe, and then the V-Bar governor and, uh, or sorry, a V-Bar with the V-Bar governor and then an RPM sensor. So the installation for this went very, very smooth. From the outside, honestly, if it did not have the green anodized head on it, you could probably put the two motors, you know, the, the 91 SR and this 96 SRX next to each other, and you'd be pretty hard-pressed to just visually tell a difference from handling the motor, looking at the motor, um, and whatnot. So as far as getting the motor into the helicopter, fairly straightforward swap because from my perspective, it was basically like dropping one motor out as if I was going to do a bearing swap or put a new ring on it and then slide the new motor in. So it's a little bit cumbersome on the N7. It's not as easy as it is to replace a motor on some helicopters, but nonetheless, still a fairly straightforward procedure. And then I was happy to find that once I did put the new motor in the helicopter, um, there was no weird interactions between like, I, I just had this worry that like, with that different head, I was going to have to go sand the fan shroud or do some, you know, there's going to be some weird interactions, but there was none of that. It it literally dropped exactly back in the same place. So nearly identical form factor, which was awesome. I could use the same shims, no fan shroud modifications. I could use the exact same throttle servo arm and ball distance since it's the same carburetor, same throw on the carburetor and all the geometry stayed nearly identical. So very easy to get this in an existing helicopter or if you're putting it in a new helicopter just follow the typical ys directions you know with the proper shims and whatnot so big thumbs up there then going into the v-bar menu i did go back through and just verify that the endpoints were close which they were and once again confirmed that my head speed was set to 1950 on the rpms and this is just kind of a good starting head speed for me this is what i've flown previous nitros at it seems to provide plenty of collective response and pop and it, it, it seems to fall right in that kind of happy range for a lot of nitro motors if you work that back through the gear ratio of the helicopter so within just a couple hours of work of, of wrenching the motor was in the helicopter and ready to go so for the first flights it's probably, well, I can guarantee you it's my first flights are not going to be the same as what someone, as someone who just purchased this motor brand new. I was told from YS that the motor was already broken, had however many gallons of fuel through it. And they assured me that just start with some medium needle settings and hammer down. But I will hit on breaking just a little bit because it's still going to be a key part for someone who is purchasing the motor because, well, if you, if you do buy one, you Uh, I can guarantee you yours will not be pre-broken. This will be something you have to go through. So kind of the typical needle settings that I've, I've heard from or or were suggested to me by YS was start at two and a quarter turns out on the mid, which keep in mind that on the YS engines, that is the larger of the two needles and two turns out on the high needle, which is going to be the smaller of the two needle needles. And this should provide a fairly, in my experience, this would provide a very rich setting. So this has all got to be within reason. You know, you want to be able to get the helicopter off the ground and at least for the first couple flights, get it moving around and then just basically go through your normal braking procedure. It seems like everyone does it a little different. Some people baby it longer. Some people start beating it up a little bit more sooner. Main thing being, remember, 
this is just like any other nitro engine where you got to build a little bit of temperature so that you can get the ring to seat against the sleeve. So I think that's the, that's the key here. So kind of start, you know, that, like I said, two and a quarter on the mid, two turns on the high, that should put you in the ballpark and then start leaning out from there. For my first flights, I started at two turns out on each needle, both on the mid and on the high. And I, I guess just to clarify, just so there's no confusion, when I, when I say two turns out, that means that if you take the needle that's threaded in and you tighten that all the way in, once it stops, not applying, you know, not actually like torquing it down, just basically hand threading it until it stops and then backing it out two turns from that point. So when I say you know, two and a quarter turns out, two turns out, it's all from that seated position. Um, so for my first flight, I was two turns out on each needle. And this was actually, if you remember back, this was at the Othello Fun Fly. And I immediately picked the helicopter up and knew that something wasn't quite right, just because tail was kicking a little bit. Once the governor went to engage, it wouldn't achieve the proper head speed. It kind of seemed like it was hunting. And overall, just very sluggish. The motor was surging quite bad, badly. And uh, I could see that there was a fair amount of unburned fuel, what what appeared to be unburnt fuel and oil coming out of the pipe. So immediately landed it, and I think I went in three or four clicks on each of the needles, just because at that point, when you're visually seeing fuel come out, you you know that it's just way too rich. So went in a couple clicks on the mid and on the high, which made a world of difference, completely cleaned up the motor. And at this point, I just wanted to get a flight in on the, on the helicopter. And so I was able to do my normal routine and overall for, you know, kind of just the first impression was, all right, this thing's flying pretty good. Sounds like a, a smooth motor, not really being fully tuned yet. Um, didn't really form any opinions as far as power went at that point. So as I continued on putting flights on the helicopter, um, really got into tuning and learning how the helicopter, how the, uh, motor response to tuning because I know that you've heard us say over and over again on the show just how reliable and how predictable and how well the YS91 holds a tune. So with that kind of in the back of my mind as a comparison, I really wanted to see how does this motor hold up when it comes to tuning? Is it, you know, is it predictable, consistent, and all those other things. So as I kind of walk through this tuning section and go over kind of my final needle settings and where I what I arrived at, just please keep in mind that, you know, nitro tuning is very subjective. It's going to be dependent on a lot of variables. So us here up in the Northwest, you know, pretty mild temperatures, very, very low elevation. In fact, I would just say we're at zero. We're right at sea level. So very thick air, which is going to mean my needle settings might end up being a touch richer because more air to mix with more fuel for the proper combustion ratio. And so really just use these settings as a guideline, a gut check, um, you know, just kind of, yeah, as, as a, as a recommendation, make, make sure that you're, you're close, I would say. Yeah. And fuel type and, and glow plug number and oh, the, the list goes on. Yeah. Yeah. And so many things can have an impact. So I am going to go through, you know, my specific needle settings, but like I said, just please keep all that in mind because it could very well be that you have just the right combination where you go and set it at these settings and you just burn your ring up in a flight or way. Who knows? So it's, it's still, there's a lot of variables, but this is what I found on, on my setup with the fuel I was running with the glow plug 
and then just with the physical location that we're at. So for the tuning procedure, I did not change anything from how I would normally tune um, any other nitro engine. So starting with the high is this is going to control your overall fuel flow into the motor. So my normal here is just to do some huge power loops. And th these are you know full collective as I'm climbing up, hit mid stick right at the top as I'm inverted, come about a quarter of the way down, and then immediately start feeding back in the collective. You really, really want to work that motor and do full collective pull so that you guarantee you're getting into that high range where the carburetor's you know, near fully open, maximum amount of fuel coming in to the motor. And what you're watching for here is you're really looking for nice, consistent smoke, but not a huge, big puff of smoke right at the top, you know, when you hit mid-stick, and really listen to the motor and listen to the feedback that it's giving you. Um, if it doesn't seem like it's pulling hard, or if you can visually see you know, lots of very dense or wet exhaust coming out, you're probably a little bit on the rich side. If it starts to sound a little bit raspy or pingy, um, you're probably creeping back over to that lean side. And the one thing I want to point out here is, is if at any point you feel that your, your power either stayed the same or decreased, you're definitely crossing over into that lean boundary. Your power, as you're tuning, it should not decrease. Um, and when I, I found that when I was tuning the high, it was easiest to make two or three click adjustments so that I could actually see the change. It wasn't these one little click adjustments where it's like, ah, does it have more power? Does it not have more power? No, I wanted to be sure that, okay, three clicks, check, still sounds good. Three clicks, check, okay. And then as I got closer, then maybe I would go back and do the one to two click thing. But at first, rough adjustments are best. Once the high was tuned in, moved over to the mid, the normal maneuver here for me is going to be just aileron TikToks. I kind of have a good, um, you know, from flying the 91, a good gauge. I know that at a minimum, I should be able to do fairly quick aileron TikToks, obviously keeping the collective management in check because if you do really crappy TikToks or really bad collective management, it's not going to matter what nitro motor you're flying. It'll probably start falling out of the sky. But knowing that, you know, good collective management, it should be able to hold fa hold fairly good fairly fast aileron TikToks at a constant elevation and the motor should not start kind of bogging and losing head speed and sounding crappy. So kind of working it into that range where it starts pulling good in the TikToks and then once again going back to watch for consistent smoke and really listening to the pitch of the motor for feedback and not crossing over into that kind of raspy rougher sounding region. Then just as a final check on the mid and this is if you're comfortable Right in the middle of an of a TikTok, I'll hit throttle hold and literally dead, you know, right in the middle of a TikTok. I won't kind of transition into a hover and then hit throttle hold. You want to try to catch it right when you're in that mid and then glide the helicopter down and land it. But what you're listening for is right when you hit throttle hold, did it drop right down to an idle quickly, you know, maybe within a second or two, or did it kind of hang at those higher RPMs for two, three, four seconds or whatnot? So if it drops right down, usually means you're good to go on the mid and if it hangs then you're probably a touch lean so after working through this this is probably for me a, maybe a two flight um deal to kind of get the motor where i would say it's 95 percent of the way tuned um i ended up at three clicks in from one and a half turns out on the high so go out one and a half turns and then back in three three clicks 
and then one and three quarter turns out on the mid. Now, what I found really interesting about this is the settings that I normally end up at on the YS91 SR3DS is one and a quarter turn turns out on the high, so I'm just a touch richer on this 96, but the exact same one and three quarter turns out on the mid. Um, so I found for this setup that it it tuned you know, almost identical, tuned very very much the same, and the needle settings came out to be almost the same as well. So I was quite pleased with that, and I didn't have any problems with you know, or any signs that the motor was running too lean. It wasn't coming down hot. It wasn't uh, didn't sound angry. So overall, pretty confident that these are acceptable needle settings and will provide me with a reliable. Um, long running engine. Now, one thing I do want to point out just kind of in the spirit of tuning is don't ever feel like you have to, you have to get to that maximum power for the engine. If at any point you're like, man, this thing's already producing enough power. Um, just stop because I have a feeling that might be the case with this motor. For some of you, there might not be any point in going leaner when you're already going, it's already taken everything I can throw at it. So that's just Kind of one thing to keep in mind. So now, the section that I'm sure everyone's been waiting for. Does it actually make more power? Is it noticeable? Does it, you know, are we getting closer to bridging that gap between nitro and electric? So on and so forth. So just to come right out and say it, this motor, 100%, I can confidently say makes more power than the YS91 did. Um... And it did not matter. You know, I, I put it through, well, I don't know how many gallons of fuel. Um, just testing, you know, any any sort of maneuver that I could throw at it. TikToks, hurricanes, like I mentioned, big power loops. And then throwing stuff in like the climbing TikToks, pyro TikToks, the nastiest pitch pumps you could do. I mean, I guarantee it'll take that. Um, and I know that... I think at one point, all three of you guys have seen the N7 fly with this motor in it. Um, I know for sure that Nick has, and I feel like at an event or something, Justin and Dan. Oh, did, dude, but, I've seen it. And yeah, I but, can attest to the fact that that thing has way more power than the 91. I mean, just I was just. Watch it. And I was doing stupid, stupid stuff on the sticks, you know, with, with TikToks and. What really, really impressed me was usually, um, you know, when it gets a little bit windy out, typically we'll tend to kind of turn to the electric helicopter, maybe crank the head speed up a little bit, just because the nitros usually can't pull very hard. Well, going out there on a windy day and throwing this thing into some huge, like, climbing TikToks, just crappy collective management, and they would just, I mean, climb away just like it was nothing. So, without a doubt... Um, a nice noticeable bump in power from the YS91 that I was previously flying in here. Um, but, you know, along with the power increase, I, I also have to point out that this it was still a very smooth operating motor. I didn't see any negative tendencies in flight as far as, you know, increased vibration levels for the, for the V-bar or for any fly barless system for that matter. Um, it didn't really affect any of my other gains. Um, this helicopter was, I would consider, you know, very well tuned as far as the tail, the head, and all the other parameters go within the V-bar. Um, so doing this this motor swap didn't really change any of that. 
um, which also kind of leads me to believe that, you know, no increased vibrations or, or anything like that um, ran very smooth. And the governor um, was very, very easy to tune as well. And I think, I guess maybe part of that can be attested or, you know, part of that credit can be given back to the VBAR gov. I've always had great luck with it. Um, the one thing you just got to make sure of with that governor is that you set that minimum throttle percentage up high enough. I think I have mine set at 45%. Mm-hmm. So what, what that means is, is if you think about like you're going to do an overspeed on a nitro, kind of like you would with an electric, or there's a situation where the head wants to go above the set point, your motor is going to try to pull back or close the carburetor, uh, close that back. And what you don't want is for it to either pinch it all the way back to where it's almost like an idle or just you know pull it way back to where then it has to quickly open back up and try to bring that power back to, to regain the head speed if it pulls back too far. And that's going to just cause your motor to bog down. So you want to set that floor or that lower limit high enough so that it'll only go down, hit that floor. It's not going to really affect the motor too bad and it can quickly recover. So overall, you know, really good bump in power. I, I can say, I mean, it, it was, yeah, just very clear to me. And I think people watching the flight, it was also very clear to them because I had numerous people come up after flights at Othello and other events where, oh man, that thing was pulling, you know, really hard. That just sounded very clean. And it just didn't seem to matter what I did to the motor. The pitch just didn't change. It just lots of low end torque, um, which YS is definitely known for and, and pulled through all the moves very, very well. So another aspect of this review that I wanted to do was dig into kind of the, the 91 versus the 96. What's the differences? How does the 90, you know, how did they create or how did they make the 96, I guess, if you will. So not so much focusing on the power, but the physical differences. So the first thing to point out is the YS91 has a 26 millimeter stroke. Well, the YS96 has a 27 and a half millimeter stroke. So a 1.5 millimeter increase to the stroke, which is where they get the extra displacement volume to get them from the 91 up to the 96. And then how they account for, because like I said, it looks like the case, the head, um, everything physically on the motor appears to be the same. So to account for this longer stroke, if you set the liners... So, you know, you have the motor all the way torn down and you pull that sleeve or the liner out of the block and you set the 91 liner next to the 96 liner, the flange at the top of the liner, the part that kind of gets sandwiched in between the block and the head is that one and a half millimeters thicker than the 91 flanges on that liner. And once again, there's a really good picture of this in the written review where you can clearly see that, oh yeah, that motor definitely has a longer stroke. So the bore is exactly the same, which means the diameter of the liner, the piston, the ring, all that stuff is identical. It's just a little bit longer stroke on the motor. So other differences is, you know, since the stroke's a little bit longer, that also means the crankshaft is different. That radius or the distance from the center of the crankshaft to the pin where the connecting rod slides on is a little bit greater with this engine. And then like I also mentioned, the YS96 crankshaft appears to be drilled and plugged like it's been dynamically balanced, where the YS91 does not. Um, the head, green anodized, um, so e- you know, kind of easy to tell that apart. Other than that, I think the blocks are the exact same. Uh, bearings are the same. 
And then, like I mentioned, connecting rod, piston, um, and the ring are all the same. So you couple all those parts together, and when you throw all that on the scale, weighing these motors one after another, the YS96 only comes in 30 grams heavier than the YS91 does, which I actually found this to be really cool because that's roughly you know a little over an ounce um, of weight. But I, I kind of tie this back to electric helicopters a little bit. It seems like any time with an electric helicopter, if you want to get a power bump, more times than not, it seems like you're going to take a weight sacrifice, whether you're increasing the motor size, whether you're increasing the speed controller size to work better with you know a larger motor that has higher power demands. Maybe you're going up on in your C rating on the batteries. Maybe you're going up a cell on the battery. So a lot of times that power increase also comes with a weight increase. Where here, I would say for the power increase that I saw, there's very minimal weight increase because usually the disc loading on the nitros is quite low. Um, they seem to be quite floaty. So now you keep that same kind of floaty light disc loading, but crank the power up another notch. So I definitely think with this motor, there was a gain for nitros in the power to weight ratio, which is really, really cool to see. The other thing that I've heard um, and talked to a couple of people that that have done this is for one reason or another they were sending in their YS91 back to YS whether you know they were having them service it or put a new piston in line or for for any number of reason they were sending it back to YS and while YS had it they decided to give them a call and say hey do you think it's possible to turn that YS91 into a YS96 and I read this multiple times on the forums that people were getting their motors converted from a YS91 to a YS96. So with a few simple parts, it does seem possible to convert from one to the other, which I think is a great option. Let's say you're not in the in the position where you know, you're going, I already have a helicopter here that has a perfectly good flying 91 in it, and I don't really want to just rip it out and go spend the money to buy a brand new 96. Well, now maybe it's one of those things where it's like, ah, crap, I got to tear the motor out already to do the bearings or do you know X, Y, or Z. Uh, maybe throwing a little bit of extra cash at it, you could now get the added benefit of the 96 over the 91. So if you're going to go check this out at US, at any US distributor, the YS96 SRX Turek Edition motor is going to be $429.99 which I would like to point out is only $35 more than the YS91 SRX Turek Edition motor. So with that, what I consider to be very small price difference, in my opinion, if you're already building a brand new helicopter, or let's say you have a much older motor that you're already, you've been kind of thinking about just upgrading the entire motor, um, I think it's a no-brainer to just bump that up and go ahead and get the 96 over the 91 because like I mentioned I really didn't see from all the flights that I have on this thing I did not see any sacrifices that you would be making I didn't see any sacrifices to the reliability to the tunability um, to how well it holds the tune from day to day um, I, I just it just doesn't seem like you'd be sacrificing anything so buy it looking to buy a new motor seems like a no-brainer jump up to the 90 96 what about now fuel, what about fuel consumption? Ah, so for the 91 versus the 96, I did not see any appreciable difference in flight time. Um 
just yeah there there wasn't anything part of this is probably i'm assuming the same you know it's the same carburetor um needle settings were very similar i don't know if you know maybe there's a different amount of back pressure vacuum level or whatnot might be pulling the fuel in a hair faster um but no no appreciable difference in flight times or fuel consumption um that i could tell going between the, the two motors still getting very good flight times um there's probably a lot of people in the other camp that are, okay, I have a perfectly good, you know, I have a perfect flying YS91, OS90, fill in the blank, nitro motor. Um, is it worth it to to pull that motor out and put in a YS96? I really think for, you know, this type of situation, you're going to have to look at that individually and kind of ask yourself, what am I looking to get out of the 96? Do I feel like I'm pushing the limits of the YS91? Maybe the model's a little bit heavier that I have. Maybe the Nitro model itself's a little bit heavier. So you're going, ah, I could really benefit from that added power. Um, or maybe you're just flying hard enough to where you are pushing the limits of the 91 or that, you know, I'll call it that 90 sized platform. Um, then sure, you're, you're definitely going to see some, some power benefits from going up to the 96 and it, it could possibly make sense for you to swap engines but if you find yourself saying nah it would kind of just be for you know the cool factor and it's it's not something that i really need that's where i kind of think that other option of keep flying that motor until you know maybe it is time to do a full teardown and rebuild and then look into potentially converting it over and turning that 91 into a 96 um i think that's going to be a really cost effective way people to get their hands um on this motor so definitely keep that in mind and don't just rule out you know based on the 430 dollar price tag um getting your hands on a, a 96 so overall you know once again huge thanks to ys i i really do feel like this motor takes a step in the right direction um, for nitro helicopters because honestly anytime you can increase the power while maintaining reliability and tunability huge win in my book. So, so major thumbs up to the guys over at YS. I I definitely had a blast doing this review and I can say that this motor will be staying in my helicopter because it's uh, just been a great flying motor. So a lot of fun. Sweet. Why two versions? Did they, did you, did they get into that with you? So I didn't get all of these, all the specifics. I'm guessing since they did upgrade that back plate to, I'm, the the green anodized head, as far as I know, the heads are identical. I think that's just for identification right. between the two versions. I'm guessing the main factor here is that steel-lined backplate. So I don't know if they're just having excessive wear with the aluminum ones. Um, but I do know for a fact that uh, Richard at YS has said they will only be servicing, warranting, basically providing any sort of customer service for the U.S. version motor. Huh. Um, so that should be... <laughs> If, if I was, you know, a major consideration when you're looking to buy, it's probably not worth saving the few bucks um, and just getting one that you know you're going to have what I would call at least, you know, domestic support for. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and as, as far as I know, that that is the only difference between the two um, versions of the motor. Sweet. But you will find both out there. So... Yeah. It feels like it's really reasonably priced. Yeah, I was I was surprised to see it was only thirty five dollars more than the ninety one. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, because I feel like if I compare that to an OS, and I'm not doing that as a, that's not a, I mean, I'm being objective about the comparison because well, those are the, the 105 is, is sort of its next, yeah, you know, and the, next of, and those are the, not, not, not next to kin, but it's its competitor. And those are the and comparisons it, it seems to perform, people are going to be making. Yeah, it seems to perform similar, similarly from what I've heard. And the OS 105, I think, is if it's not in the $500 range, it's damn close. It's in the $500 range. Is it, Nick? Yeah, I just did a quick Google search, so I don't, I mean, I'm sure there are different prices at different places, but like Grand RC has the 105 HZR for $529. 100 bucks. Wow. It does, yeah. So, no, I, I thought they priced it very reasonably. Um, kind of almost hurt. <laughs> I mean, yeah, not to put one motor down for another, but kind of almost hurting the. I don't see how that couldn't hurt the sales for the 91 just because they're priced so close. It, it just seems to make sense to jump up to this one. Yeah, my only, you know, my only hesitation with this one would be like. Why did you start losing boom support screws? Well, I, so what I think was that the problem with that one or with that issue was I think that comes back to me because I never was getting all the oil and grease and nastiness out of the threads on there when I was re-loctiting. Yeah. So now that I've gone back, I completely tore you know both screws out of uh, both sides on that boom support filled it up with alcohol, basically let that part soak in alcohol, ran a Q-tip all the way through the threads, completely buried it in, and used the Forever Tight. I have not had one come out since. Okay. So and it would make I'm, sense that when you got the model, it's all new. So if you yep. had the 91 in there then, you wouldn't have any issues. Yep. So, so I'm okay. rolling that one back on me because I, I did go, because it happened like t- twice, and I finally went, okay, something is going on here. Just because visually in flight, I wasn't seeing, you know, the vertical fin shake or in, wasn't seeing any other indications that there was high levels of vibration on the helicopter. So once I did go back and thoroughly clean everything, I, I have not had one come out since. Okay. All right. And yeah, Justin, it's the 105 is 529 at experience as well. Yeah, that's it's dude. It's freaking expensive and i'm you know maybe there's a reason for it but damn dude so yeah and then the the only other thing which i mean you guys obviously heard what happened this previous week is i will be updating or you know giving you guys an update on how it flies with the 710s so wanted to get the review out get you know instead of dragging it out, but I will be getting the V bar, whatever's wrong with the helicopter currently all sorted out. And I will be bolting those seven thirteens on and giving it hell again. So I will fill everyone in when I get the opportunity to fly that setup. Nice. Let's go over some fun fly stuff. Justin, I've been getting some questions and I told him it was okay. So I sure hope, sure as hell hope it is okay. Uh, some <laughs> oh, listeners, great. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Some uh, listeners from uh, Utah sent me a message today. And, yep, um, I already talked to them. Oh, okay, so you it's got okay. that one. That's okay. So yep. what we're talking about, guys, is uh, some, some listeners were asking, 
uh, you know, they're, they're coming in from a distance. Uh, they asked if they could come in on Wednesday and the answer to that is yes. So, yeah, uh, I, I mean, as you know, Dan, we got the field set up last year, probably in the first few hours of Wednesday, and we were being pretty leisurely about it. So we've yeah. got a little bit more to do this time around, I think, um, just based on lessons learned from last year. But my goal is by, you know, lunchtime or early afternoon, the field set up and ready to go. And we will have all the vendor and sponsor tents marked out. We will have the the location for Nick's trailer front and center, the flight line, at which point, you know, really, as long as you come in and and you don't sit on top of one of those marked out areas or the food vendor, that's the other one, then you're welcome to, to join. I'll be there Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, nice. I am driving nice. down Tuesday evening. Yeah. I am uh, renting an RV. Actually, Kyle and I are splitting an RV. So I'm going to rent it, drive it down, and then I got to find a way to pick him up on Wednesday from the airport to get him to the field. Now it's a bummer his flight's so early. I know. He, so well, I will be he texted me and he's you. like, dude. I can get a one o'clock or a six o'clock. And at the time, this was before I knew you were flying Mm -hmm. in late. So I'm like, well, one o'clock probably makes more sense, because even if I've got to make them sit, the traffic won't be as bad in the middle of the day. But yeah, what else, Dan? Um, That's pretty much that was the the, I've had a couple people ask me that um, the arrival date. uh, I've only been saying yes to people that are coming from a distance. And bringing RVs of some kind. Um, so, I'm, okay. I mean, Wednesday's good, though. Yeah, Wednesday's fine. The only thing I say is if you get there earlier on Wednesday, we'll be there. If you notice that we're still setting up, just drive up and tag up with us on, you know, where or when you can set up. You'll see if you've not been there before, it's a massive field. So, Huge. even if I've got to tell you to, hey, you know, go down a few spots beyond center stage because we haven't gotten that part set up yet. And then, you know, we can get you moved afterwards. It shouldn't be a problem. Anything else about the fun fly? I mean, we got uh, any news that we want to share? Um, News. I would say we are, well, we're getting close, guys. It's like what? <laughs> By the time this show comes out, it's literally a week and a half away, yep. right? Absolutely. Um, everything's coming together. We've got, we're putting the last sort of finishing touches on a number of things. Um, and, uh, yeah, pre-register. You can still pre-register until a week from the day that this show goes live, or actually a week from the day after this show goes live, and you will get an opportunity to win something. Yep. I do have some more news, too. There's a couple companies uh, so far. We've got a slot for one more, but there are a couple companies that have stepped up and said, hell yeah, we'd love to support you and help making this awesome fun fly happen. And that would be Hobby Wing. So thank you very much, Hobby Wing. And MKS Servos. Yes. Yeah. Nice. 
So thank you very much to both of those companies. Uh, you know, it, it works out quite in our favor that they both make incredible products. So it's really easy to talk awesome about them. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate that. The, the effort and the cost to go in to do a fun fly like this is much larger than probably most people understand. And it just, you know, it helps take a little bit of the, the sting out of it. And honestly, it really helps make it happen, period. So thank you very much to MKS Servos and Hobbywing. And if you guys are, are placing an order or anything with their, you know, main distributors or whatnot, just shoot them a little message in the note section of your order and say, hey, thanks for supporting the RC Hilly Nation Fun Fly. We really do appreciate it. Excellent. Nice. Well, we should probably wrap this one up. Uh, before we do that, how about some emails? Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? You would send me an email to nick at rchelynation.com or you could catch me on Facebook at nicklenrchn. How about you, Jesse? You could send me an email to jesse at rchelynation.com or catch me on Facebook. Justin? You could send me an email to justin at rchelynation.com or catch me on Facebook or the forums. Uh, if you needed, uh, if you have a question about shirts or of course, um, it's good news with that. We'll, I don't Yeah. There will be more shirts <laughs> soon. Oh yes. Uh, uh, you'll, I imagine as soon as those are ready, we'll have them on the webpage. Uh, but if you have any questions about that stuff, citizen registration, uh, you can direct those questions at Ken at rchelynation.com. I'm Dan. You can reach me at Dan at rchelynation.com. Dan K. Reed on the forums. So it's Thursday night as we're recording. And for our friends in Florida, we sure hope uh, you guys are buttoned down. And, of course, when you hear this show, a storm will have passed. But there's a Category 1 hurricane burying in on Florida as we speak. I think it's touching Florida right this very moment. 100 mile an hour winds. Yep. So. And the, the, the one time you only want to get just the tip. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so good luck to you guys down there. Get uh, get get the shelter and uh, everything goes well. I think that about does it, guys. This has been episode 247. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this one as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We'll see you next Monday. Catch you guys later. Hey guys. Take it easy, guys. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by BK Designs, Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, Superiority, and MSH USA. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.